0: You are listening to True Crime Twins, a true crime podcast hosted by Chloe and Melina Cantor. True Crime Twins is produced
1: by Crawlspace Media. Hello and welcome back to True Crime Twins. I'm Melina, one of your hosts. Thank you so much for listening. Today, we're going to continue our discussion on female predators who are teachers. We previously discussed the cases of Mary Kay Letourneau and Deborah LaFave. This case I'm about to introduce is a little bit different as it involves a murder. Married media teacher Pamela Smart was 22 years old in 1990 when she conspired with her 15-year-old student and lover, Billy Flynn, to kill her husband, Greg Smart, a 24-year-old insurance salesman. They were only married less than a year. Billy, as well as three of his friends that were also teens, murdered Greg at his condo in Derry, New Hampshire, in a staged attempted robbery. Billy shot him in the head. Billy was apparently told by Pam that she would leave him and therefore stop having sex with him if he did not murder her husband. Pam has staunchly denied this and continues to deny wrongdoing to this day as an inmate serving a life sentence at Bedford Hills Correctional in Westchester, New York. Pam began having sex with her student and told him that she was a victim of abuse at her husband's hand and that she could not divorce him because she would risk losing everything and that he would never leave her alone. The naive 15 year old boy got it through his head through Pam's manipulation that the only way out of her situation was for Greg to die. Billy and his friend, Pete Randall, pretended to be thieves on the night of May 1st, 1990, when Greg Smart came home from a work trip. Pete held a knife to Greg's throat as Greg pleaded for his life. Billy shot Greg in the head with a thirty-eight caliber revolver. The two boys fled the scene in a getaway car driven by two other boys. Every person involved in the murder has since been released from prison except for Pam, who continues to fail to accept true responsibility. The boys took plea agreements in exchange for their testimony against Pam, a fact that Pam has used as proof that they had incentive to throw her under the bus. Pam was a pretty former Florida State University cheerleader and honor student who had interest in radio and media. Ironically, she met her teenage lover when they both volunteered at Winnicunit High School's Project Self-Esteem. Billy had a crush on Pam, a pretty 5-foot-1 thin blonde with blue-gray eyes, and they bonded over their shared love of the bands Motley Crue and Van Halen. Pam, Billy, and another student, Cecilia Pierce, worked on a school video project where they all bonded as if Pam were a fellow student. Cecilia became a confidant of Pam's. According to Billy, he was called to Pam's office in February 1990 where she boldly asked him, do you think about me because I think about you all the time. A few weeks later, they had sex for the first time at Pam's condo that she shared with her husband. Billy was apparently a virgin prior to this. Pam even gushed about her sexual relationship with Cecilia as if she were a giddy teenager. I think that Pam probably sensed that Billy had a crush on her and used this to her advantage. Greg had apparently cheated on her with a one-night stand and she was devastated. She was admittedly flattered by the attention, and perhaps she wanted to one-up her husband with an even worse betrayal. No matter what the initial intent was, the result was the same. Pam had sex with a child and manipulated him, using an obvious abuse of power. As much as he probably felt lucky and fortunate to be having sex with this beautiful woman, as the other victims that we discussed probably felt at first, he was a victim of child rape. The fact that they killed together overshadowed the fact that this was also a sex crime. No one ever really treated Billy as a victim of sex abuse, and no one really ever treated Pam as a pedophile, which he technically was. The murder conviction was the most important one to secure, so the sex crime was not emphasized enough but even so, she sexually exploited a vulnerable child and manipulated him into committing an act that ruined so many lives. No one will ever know for sure, though. Based on how she would talk about the, quote, relationship with Cecilia, she was also into Billy. She even gave Billy sexy photos of herself, which ended up being circulated in the media. When Billy murdered Greg, it was right after Greg refused to give up his wedding ring in the, quote, robbery, saying, my wife would kill me." Perhaps Billy felt a twinge of jealousy when the boys then ordered Greg to his knees, put the gun to his head. Billy said, God forgive me, and then pulled the trigger. It's obvious that Billy would have never murdered Greg if it weren't for Pam. Pam denied ordering the murder, but in subsequent recorded conversations with Cecilia Pierce, who was cooperating with the police, Pam alluded to being aware of the plan all along. Billy testified that Pam was, quote, The first girl I ever loved. I didn't want her to leave me. Pam was, in fact, a woman who had manipulated Billy into thinking she was just like a peer. She used her power and influence over a child to play God and decide who lived and who died. She even tried to convince Cecilia to lie to the police. Pam was trusted by the school to be a role model and a good influence. Clearly, she never matured emotionally enough to take this important responsibility remotely seriously. She even refers to the abuse as a, quote, affair, as if it were two consenting adults instead of what it really was, an attractive, sexually experienced married woman using sex to manipulate a boy who didn't even have a driver's license. The boy, who was slight and wore his brown hair in a ponytail, barely had any facial hair growing in and looked his age, maybe even younger than 15. Billy Flynn is, and always will be, a murderer but he is also a victim of childhood sexual abuse and manipulation. He has shown remorse continuously and was released in 2015 around the same time of the 25th anniversary of Greg's death. Greg's family requested that the now grown Billy not return to the state of New Hampshire. He will be on a lifelong parole. Pam continues to appeal her life sentence. Even though she now, quote, blames herself for Greg's death without actually admitting to ordering his execution, New Hampshire State Attorney Jeffrey Stralzen takes into account that for three decades, she failed to so much as apologize to the Smart family and that it is too little too late, quote, decades of lies cannot be undone in an instant by newfound claims of remorse and a vague acceptance of responsibility. I agree. I hope that Billy Flynn truly was remorseful. And despite the fact that he murdered an innocent person, I really hope that he can heal from all of this. This may be an unpopular opinion, but he too was a victim who likely would have never murdered if it wasn't for being sexually abused.
0: Thank you, Melina, for telling the story of Pam Smart, Greg Smart, and Billy Flynn. That is a fascinating case, which really shows the extent of how manipulation, undue influence, and sexually inappropriate behavior can escalate to extreme violence. And now, a quick word from our sponsors. Thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now back to the show. The next case we're highlighting is about another perpetrator named Pamela. This woman is named Pamela Rogers Turner, who was arrested in 2005 for sexual battery by an authority figure. Her victim was a 13-year-old student whom she taught as a physical education teacher at Centertown Elementary School in McMinnville, Tennessee. She engaged in a sexual relationship with the boy for a three-month period. At one point, she even moved in with the boy's family, who were unaware of the inappropriate relationship. On August 12, 2005, Pam pleaded no contest to sexual battery charges as part of a plea agreement. She was given a suspended sentence and was required to register as a sex offender. By April 2006, she was arrested again for contacting her victim. Pamela had used her father's cell phone to send text messages and sexual videos to the boy. She was later sentenced to seven years and then an additional two years in prison. The following was Pam's statement to the judge. I was blinded by emotions that I'm ashamed that I had. And it's obvious that, that I need help to resolve those issues. I'm so sorry. Despite Pamela's tearful statement claiming remorse, the judge responded to her by saying, You have done everything except show this court that you wanted to rehabilitate yourself. Pamela Joan Rogers was born on July 1st, 1977, in rural Tennessee to Lamar Rogers, a chicken farmer and girls basketball coach, and Karen Rogers. She was raised on her family's chicken farm in Fentress County, Tennessee. Her mother described Pam as a happy child with no signs of trouble throughout her upbringing. Her father said she graduated high school as a basketball player and excellent student, ranking in the top 10 of her class. She attended college locally and was voted homecoming queen. She became a physical education teacher and basketball coach following in her father's footsteps. Pamela married fellow teacher Chris Turner in 2003. Chris divorced her in 2005, around the time of her indictment, for improper marital conduct. Pamela's mother, Karen, blamed Chris for her daughter's deviant behavior, accusing him of being emotionally abusive, which Chris denied. The predatory relationship between Pam and the child began when the child, who some sources described as tall, precocious, and part of a much older crowd, made flirtatious comments to Pam, such as, I want to come to your house. Instead of shutting this down, Pam began to reach out to the boy on instant messenger. According to a friend of the victim, Pam sent the boy a message saying, I think you're cute, to which the boy replied, I think you're hot. The friend told the New York Post that Pamela's interest in the child was intense and she would call him several times a night. The friend claims the boy's interest in his teacher was purely sexual, adding, quote, he loved every minute of it. He's a little pimp. This mindset is common in peers of male victims of sexual assault by a female teacher. They view it as a fantasy, with the victim being lucky to have ever been involved. This attitude inadvertently gaslights the victim as they cope with the trauma that they were way too young to endure. According to sources, Pamela apparently underwent some sort of trauma as a child, the details of which are not publicly known. I would imagine that based on her crimes and the sexual crimes of her brother, her trauma was sexually related. As I discussed in the first part of this series, perpetrators of sexual offenses against children were often abused themselves, although this is no excuse for future delinquency. Pedophiles also exhibit immaturity and childlike thinking due to a disruption in their development as children. Pamela was certainly immature. In jail, she wrote her victim's name in flowery handwriting in her diary. She would also write her first name and the victim's last name, apparently fantasizing about getting married to him. She also pondered future baby names in this diary. Pamela exhibited delusional magical thinking patterns where she believed an impossible scenario would come true, a marriage and family with her 13-year-old victim. Pamela's subsequent recidivism was also reflective of childlike cognition. Despite being caught and jailed, she used her father's phone to record a video of herself dancing in her underwear and sent it to her child victim. Pamela had a, quote, pathetic obsession with the boy and despite already facing consequences, including her career being destroyed and registering as a sex offender, she failed to prevent her own re-arrest due to her impulsivity and apparent sense of impunity. Some psychologists have suggested that Pam's delinquency can be explained by sexual addiction, in which some people are compulsively sexual in situations that are inappropriate and in ways that can have negative consequences. The concept of sexual addiction is debated amongst physicians and psychologists, with some deeming it illegitimate. My opinion is that Pam was compulsive in her pursuit of the child, but her behavior cannot be completely accounted for by sexual addiction. Pam was stunted developmentally and viewed her child victim as a peer, as most pedophiles do. She persisted in her pursuit despite negative punishments, Pam was released in 2012, but was rearrested in 2015 for smuggling cell phones into the jail that once housed her. This crime, which was not sexually related, reflects a greater issue at hand. I believe that Pam is immature, impulsive, thrill-seeking, has poor judgment and insight, and potentially lacks remorse for her bad behavior. She may have a personality disorder, which at times are characterized by sexually inappropriate conduct. Pam's older brother, Alvin, is also a registered sex offender after being convicted for raping a child. He currently lives with Pam and their parents on the chicken farm in Tennessee, where he works. Pam is employed by a local comfort inn. Thank you for listening to the second part of our coverage on female teachers who are pedophiles. This is a subject that can be triggering to some, but I think it's a really important discussion because this crime sometimes isn't even treated as a crime. And we wanted to highlight these four total cases to exemplify the different scenarios that can occur and the criminology and psychology behind some of these offenses. If you have been a victim of sexual assault and need support, please contact RAIN at 800-656-HOPE. Thank you so much for listening to our show. If you look forward to new episodes of True Crime Twins, please leave us a five-star rating and positive review on your preferred podcast platform. You can also keep up with us on social media, on Twitter at True Crime Twins, on TikTok at True Crime Twins, and on Instagram at True Crime Twins Podcast. You can also reach us with case suggestions, questions, comments at our email address True Crime Twins podcast at gmail.com.